The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, how does it feel now that we've gotten through the NFL draft? Really good. I mean, it's good to have it behind, good to have the effort behind us. You know, it takes a while to get ramped up for it and to do it and all that Mm -hmm. and uh, get past it. I must say, um, I didn't really mind not being there. A lot of people asked me if I was going and I said, well, no, you know, I've got responsibilities that keep me at my desk during the the draft. And, but I have to say that on uh, Sunday afternoon, when I saw pictures from there where it wasn't stupidly crowded on the North lawn of the world War one Memorial, uh, I thought, and it was a beautiful day. I thought, yeah, I wouldn't mind being down there this afternoon where it's not crazy, you know, and I could actually be part of it. So I missed it. Looked, I, yeah, I missed it, that. It, it did look like on Thursday, it looked like a college fraternity house party where nobody could move. <laughs> right. Yeah. Friday it opened not... up. Yeah. Friday it opened up a little bit. And then yeah. Saturday, it felt like it was wide open. I don't think a ton of people were going down for, for Saturday. I think that's to be expected. That is the way it goes for a lot of the the drafts is that once Saturday hits, there's not a ton on stage. There's no players left. They're just announcing it. Mm-hmm. I think if you have a family, if the Kansas City were to ever get the draft again, Saturday's probably the day to go. But it did seem like Thursday, Friday was a little bit more fun if, if you are without children. Well, you know, and, and this is a pet peeve of mine, and it was especially obvious to me when it was happening in my home city and I could see what was going on around them. I'm really kind of peeved at how they handled the last couple of rounds of the draft on TV. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I get that there's going to be places where you want to do things that are a little different and 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 bring people in and stuff. But it's kind of like having the owner in the broadcast booth during a preseason game. People want to see what's going on in the game. Right. And having the owner in the box is a distraction from that. And, you know, covering up stuff that's going on in the draft with mindless comments and gags and stuff, I think is, I think it's unfortunate. I, I wish they didn't do it. And I, 
I think it takes away from the moment of some of these players yeah. and I'm not remembering the exact situation, but it was Kevin Harlan not doing football. He was doing March Madness, but I, I think it was a playing game, something to the extent of a, a lesser important game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they check out all the starters and he's sitting there naming everyone that's coming in. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, why is he doing that? Well, this might be the only time their names ever going to be on national yep. TV being yep. announced. Mm-hmm. And for Harlan to recognize that, that's why he continues to be one of the best in the business. And here we are at the third minute mark talking about college basketball, John. So let's get back on, <laughs> on track here. Uh, let's get to our ratings and reviews. If you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, you can lead us or leave us a rating and a review and we will read it right here. This is from Joe Shoddy. Uh, this from this is from a little bit um, of a ways back. Remember, we took two weeks off. As a Chiefs fan in Western New York, hearing Syracuse alum Pete Sweeney discuss Chiefs football is always a good time. Beach season is always a great show to keep us updated during draft season. And then he goes into a scenario where the Chiefs take a tight end. Unfortunately, Mr. Joe Shoddy, they, they did not take a tight end. So maybe next year. Uh, this is from Ling Chu. I love the coverage of the draft. Felt like I was listening to my bros just talking the draft together the way I would. So we appreciate that. The draft coverage has been been great. This is from Veach's Burner. Have to shout out the fantastic work of AP during this draft season from the prospect film room sessions with Nate, Ron, Caleb to the live draft coverage. The AP squad foreshadowed FAU, BJ Thompson, Truman Jones, and Coburn. The depth of knowledge about how late round prospects fit the Chiefs was top notch and your willingness to have opinions on prospects that didn't match the mainstream consensus showed that analysis was original and yours stellar work yeah big shout out not only to to Steve for making sure that we had really good draft content this offseason but also Steve and, and Ron and Caleb for going down to the draft I, mm-hmm. they did four yeah. hours of of live coverage on on draft night talked to Steve after he's going to join us for segment three of the show uh, but uh, he, he could barely stay awake. So we're happy that he did and that he survived draft weekend and that he's here with us today for our final segment. We're going to do a, a draft round table. This from Ben Reisler. Love the show, guys. I listen to you every week. Uh, can you mic the journalists in from the podium? So we've explained this a number of times, but I'll do it very quickly again. We don't have any control over that. When we are giving you guys from the podium, it is from the feed of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'll tell you, John, in being in the main media room, they do have mics that are dropping from the ceiling. Like you look up and these things are, mm-hmm. are up there. But I don't I don't think we're using them on, on some of these yeah. feeds. I don't I don't think where we're picking up the, the sound where we're using them. So that uh, we try to do as best we can. I know Steve tries to alter the sound. So we are, are getting the questions. But a, a lot of times I, I know you guys don't hear the questions and that's frustrating. That that's nothing that that we could control. But we John, always appreciate all the reviews, right? We certainly do. And I'll just add that the problem isn't the equipment. It's that it requires somebody to actually operate the equipment mm-hmm. in order to get the the journalist mic turned up at the appropriate time and turned down otherwise, because it makes it worse if the, the journalist mic is on when the when right. the coach or the player is talking. So it, it requires a human operator, and that's not always something that that they want to do you know it's well inside baseball but you ever hear the yeah. ones and twos well yeah. if you're just hitting the ones right john you're yeah, only gonna right. get the exactly the exactly. subject there 
All right, we got a great show for you ahead. You guys know this, but Brett Feach talked on Monday. You can get that on From the Podium. You got all the questions there because it was a Zoom. When we have the Zoom calls, that was one of the benefits right. of, of COVID-19, the, the few benefits of COVID-19. We would get the questions. <laughs> but uh, you can get that on From the Podium. But We're going to go over the five most important quotes from Brett Feach. That's in segment one. Segment two, we'll round up the news since the draft past couple days what we learned and and about your chiefs and what they're doing this offseason and then as i alluded to segment three we'll do a draft class roundtable with myself john and steve will join us for that but let's get into the brett veach press conference john he does this every year the benefit i think of this particular gm i i, I gotta believe he's a little bit more forthcoming than other gms when it comes to true strategy of the kansas city chiefs we saw it again this year when he was talking about the draft class ahead of the the NFL draft. And the the one thing I, I think that has been the main story this offseason, less exciting, I think, than other teams, but it's it's the tackle position because mm-hmm. Kansas City just won the Super Bowl. They had two good tackles. I wouldn't say necessarily great, but two good solid mm-hmm. tackles in Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley. Andrew Wiley goes to Eric Bieniemy and the Washington Commanders, and we know about Orlando Brown Jr. and that disaster where he ends up in Cincinnati. And like Tyreek Hill, he's got to grit his teeth and, and pretend that he really likes it for the next couple of years. Anyway, the Chiefs <laughs> go and take Wanya Morris out of Oklahoma. Uh, he's a a potential right tackle candidate, and here's what Brett Beach had to say about the tackle situation now in Kansas City. I think there'll be a degree of mix, mixing and matching. I'm I'm sure it's safe to say that you know as we sit here today, I mean. Um, you know, Taylor will be able to go out there and run run left tackle with the ones. And then I think we'll have good competition between um, Niang and, uh, you know, as you mentioned, um, Wanya just brought Wanya in here. And then Kennard, I think, has some flexibility, too. So I think all three of those guys will bounce in there. And I think all, you know, at least for sure, um, Kennard will, will go back and forth to tackle and guard. And I think Wanya has some tackle guard flex. So I think you'll see Coach Heck do a great job of just, um, you know, mixing, mixing and matching. And then we get training camp, just let the competition speak for itself. So Brett Veach explaining that it is going to be a, a melee there. I, I believe it right tackle. <laughs> I think the chiefs were open. If a left tackle fell to them, I, I think, I think they were eyeing Anton Harrison, where if that would have happened a potential mm-hmm. day one, yeah. then maybe Taylor would, would go back and forth. But the way that the draft panned out, we know that they ended up having to go edge and, and Felix Anton went elsewhere and and now I, I think that you added a, a tackle to the mix, but it was a third rounder, not as polished, not maybe as ready. Uh, Juwan Taylor, to me, right now, I'm ready to say it, is officially your left tackle to, for week one. I Unless there's an injury, I don't think that changes, at least this year. Now the conversation transitions to, well, who is going to be the week one right tackle, which for me is wide open. John, I'll, I'll let you weigh in here in a second. I think Lucas Niang is the favorite. I think Wanye is very close. And then I think you have Darian Kennard, which seems like a little bit of a long shot. And of course, Prince Tego Anogo is still in that mix. But I'm almost, I'm not, I'm not perfectly comfortable say, saying this, but I'm, I'm close to there that I think your right tackle is either going to be Niang or Morris. Do you agree or disagree, Don? Uh, I'd agree with that. I was kind of surprised that Veach didn't mention uh, Winogo, when he was asked about the right tackle position, he had when asked about it before the draft, 
but didn't mention him this time. I wonder if he believes that Morris pushes Winago out of consideration. Um, I don't know. I, I find it interesting that he didn't mention him and it could have been just a, a slip, you know, it might not have occurred to him in the, in the moment of answering the question. That's not normally the kind of thing you would see Veach do, but it's possible. That's how it happened. But yeah. I agree that it's between Niang and, uh, and Wanye. I, I actually think that um, we could see uh, as the bookend tackles this year, Joe Wanye. <laughs> Yes, that's I just a, wanted to. I just wanted to put that out there, you know. <laughs> this coming from the same gentleman who coined the Department of Mahomes Land Security before Mahomes anyone Land else. Security, Mahomes Land yes. Security before yeah. anyone else. Yes, I. I think. I think it's going to be rotation right when we get up at St. Joe. I don't think it's going to be mm -hmm. one of these things where Niang is there every single day. I think it's going to be an alternating, and it's going to be right. a true battle at right tackle. So we will see how that pans out. Interesting about Winogo. I think the chiefs like him maybe as a reserve swing tackle type mm -hmm. of guy. And maybe they're, they're not necessarily leaning into a lot of the coverage aspect of him to keep him under the radar to an extent. We know that the chiefs have this knack for not only having capable offensive linemen on their 53, but really loading up that practice squad. So if a, and there I say, 2020 situation happens again, they're not in a, mm -hmm, a right. dire situation where it costs them the big game. All right, let's move to running backs. Clyde Edwards-Dillaire was up for a fifth-year option this week. And uh, at the time, Brett Veach, as you'll hear, says he hadn't decided, decided. Ultimately, the Chiefs opted not to do this. But the key for me here when you listen to this sound is what Brett Veach says about Clyde Edwards-Dillaire as he talks about fifth-year option. Here's Brett Veach. With the draft just being over now, that another thing that will get addressed here here soon. And um, you know, we're um, we're excited though for, for Clyde this season. Actually, he was the first guy I saw on the building today, um, in, in tremendous shape. So um, he's a good football player. He's going to help us out here. And again, with these guys that um, you know, we have a list of things to do with a bunch of these guys. And and now that the draft is officially ended, um, you know, in the next coming weeks, now is the time we go through all that stuff and. Um, start making our plans for the future. Um, but needless to say, we're, we're excited to have him back in the building today and look forward to, um, you know, uh, hopefully a healthy 20, 2023 campaign from him. Yeah, so I, I believe this is Brett really doing an, a nice job to try to change the conversation on Clyde. For all you Clyde haters out there, and I know there's a lot of you, <laughs> I don't think this means he's back in the mix for real carries. I think this right. means it's going to be... Isaiah Pacheco, who they drafted last year, really proved himself on the big stage. It's going to be Jarek McKinnon, who they signed after this press conference. It, it seemed like uh, came to an agreement with him right away, as, as Veach would allude to. And then Clyde will, will be in the mix. They also were able to sign an undrafted free agent in Daneric Prince, which I'm eager to see this weekend at rookie minicamp. But this is the Chiefs saying, look, we got him for another year. John, it was obvious they were not going to use the fifth-year option just mm -hmm. given his injury yeah. history and what Pacheco was able to do last year. Less even about the player and more so about, look, you got to manage the cap. Pacheco's capable. He's cheaper than a fifth-year option. They were never going to do that. But to just think that Clyde's going to be written off, I don't know if that's true. I also, you know, for the Clyde haters, you know, you can smile here if that's one of you, but, like, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that this means he's here by the end of training camp, we've seen the right. Chiefs move running backs at the deadline before I think about Carlos Hyde. 
that year when they decided at the end to. But for right now, of course, they're going to talk kindly about their running back three. Right. right? Well, yeah, and, and he he could find himself a, a role. It won't be a big role uh, yeah. unless there's a a terrible injury to somebody like Pacheco. Let's know. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Right. But um, he could find himself a role, and even dare I say it, uh, come back next year on a contract much less than five and a half million dollars that he would earn. Uh, if they had extended that uh, fifth year option on him. And I know people I, I've already, I've said this to a couple of people and people have been pushing back. Oh, there's no way that's not going to, that's going to happen. Well, yeah, probably not. But I, I think we need to be prepared for the possibility that if he finds a useful niche to fill with the chiefs, that, uh, that he could be back in 2024. He go, I mean, I think he's going to want to test the market mm-hmm. when he becomes a free agent. And I think the Chiefs are going to let him do that uh, almost no matter what happens. But if he can't find a better deal, there's going to be no team that's going to value him as much as the Chiefs. So he'd be a candidate for a veteran salary benefit contract in 2024. And it, it could happen. It really could if he if he finds himself a little niche this year, which could happen. And it's also true that he might not even make the 53. You know, yeah. There's a lot that can go on here. I think it could go a lot of different ways. I I think it's, it's it's a little bit surprising almost when you just think about the Chiefs and what they were able to accomplish last year that he's still in the mix and mm-hmm. I, there is, and I I I think sometimes reading fan takes and and they're wild, right? I mean, they could go right. one way or the other. Sometimes they're reasonable, a lot of times they get into the realm of wild, but uh, this one particular fan take where it's like, well, he didn't even choose to be at the parade. He instead went to a fashion show in New York. I, I, I think that does speak volumes in a way. I mean, you were part of the team, like, right. Like practice squad guys who don't take a snap, enjoy the parade because they were a, a, a part of the scout team and helped the regular team prepare. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I think he'll, I think he's handling it well, but it's hard for me not to just, wonder if Mm -hmm. he's having a conversation with brett like if there's an opportunity to move me please do you know if there's a you know if if there's a way that could be and and yes i think from what we know about it it looks really bad that he didn't miss the parade but there's a lot we don't know about it and i and i would direct you to what uh veach said on monday when he said uh edward zolaire was the first guy i i saw today and he looks great he looks ready to go yeah. And I, I, I have a hard time putting together those two things that he misses the parade because he's mad and then he comes in ready to go in great shape on the first day of OTAs. I, I, I have a hard time putting those two things together. So I have to think that we don't really know the full story about what happened with regard to the parade. That's just I would, my take. I would tweet at him, but he's blocked me. And a well, couple yeah, other journalists. So that tells you how he feels about the Chiefs media right now. All right. Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes could be in the realm for contract restructures and and extensions. Jones entering the final year of his contract. Patrick Mahomes, I know people are like, well, why does he need a contract restructure? Well, he's about to be the seventh or eighth or ninth highest paid quarterback at, you know, right now in the league per year. And there is a a somewhat of a trend where once there's enough quarterbacks that are ahead, you start to think about a restructure. It may not happen for another year. I mean, I, that's that's the reality of it. it may, may may take 
next offseason. But at some point along here, he is probably due for a restructure. As you'll hear in a second, John, Brett Veach doesn't really want to talk about it all, all that much. Uh, the, the sound is set up in a way where he talks about Jones, and then you'll hear his take on Mahomes. Here's Brett Veach. Well, I don't until you get a deal done. I don't know in this league if you're ever confident with anything, but you know I think that's uh, on the list of things to do. And and you know we get um, into the off season, and and you know you're into combine meetings, um, and then you're into free agency, and then you're into the um, the draft, and then after the draft, let the dust settle and and, and start working on on the future and, and things we can get accomplished in the spring. So um, we'll spend time, and you know obviously we have a great relationship. Um, you know, with Chris and his staff. So we'll get to work and, and see what we can do. And um, those things usually take a little bit of time here. So, um, you know, we have a little bit of a runway now until the start of training camp to, to hopefully get something done. I mean, the draft just ended here. And, you know, I think um, Coach got asked about it. I got asked about it. And Clark got asked about it there. So, um, you know, we're a few years into a long deal, but at the same time we have great communication with Pat. And so there'll be a, a situation where we just, we work through all these things and, um, you know, there's no timing on it from our end just because we're in constant communication. So I think the thing with Jones is, and, and it's, they've all, they're all blend together, these contract negotiations, but before Beach and his team had trouble with Brown and his team, there was Beach and his team having trouble with Jones and his team. And yeah. <laughs> now at this stage, Jones has even more leverage than ever before. And so yeah. I, I do wonder out loud if that gets resolved. Now, Jones this offseason has tweeted that he never wants to play for a different organization for, than the Chiefs. And, you know, I, I think to an extent I believe it, but if the Chiefs don't offer him the compensation he's looking for, I don't, I don't think he's going to turn down a, an eventual deal elsewhere. I, I think you hope that this one gets resolved. And in, in a way, it, it would help the Chiefs alleviate some of that cap space that they're devoting to Jones this year. We will be monitoring that. Um, as the offseason rolls along. And then with Pat, it's like everyone relax. And to Veach's point, and, and maybe to even Clark's point, they're not going to do anything uh, and adjust anything until Burrow is resolved in Cincinnati and, and Herbert is resolved in L.A. So it's a little bit of a holding pattern in that one. John, I'll, I'll go, to, go to you with this question. Do you think Jones gets done before training camp and extended? I would tend to think so. Um, there's not as much open animosity as there was the last time, you know, there was, uh, didn't Jones go on, uh, Colin coward and, you know, make some remarks about how he felt disrespected. If I remember right, that That's happened it, it the was, last, yeah. yes. the last time. And, um, you know, nothing like that is going on. So they don't have those problems to work through when they sit down to talk. Um, and I didn't hear anything in, anything big i mean you can always find things you can parse out of whatever brett Feach says but uh i didn't hear anything big in there that made me think oh yeah this could be a problem i didn't i'm, I'm not hearing that now you know i could be wrong maybe i'm not parsing it down as much as i should <laughs> but uh but i i think that they'll they'll try and get this done i think they want to get the cap space solved before they go into the season. I think they want to have Jones here for another few years. So those are pretty big things that they need to get fixed. And I, I see it happening. I think this is a fascinating situation because it just goes against everything the chiefs have established as far as trends of contracts when it comes to, you know, I think Jones is probably looking at his team and this is fair and saying, well, Aaron Donald's money is a, a baseline here. And, mm -hmm. 
the Chiefs have shown a, a tendency where they're not going to give a big-time contract to someone teetering along the age of 28 like Chris Jones is. I'm looking at his, his age right here. It's He's 28. Uh, he actually hasn't turned an age this year. His birthday is July 3rd, so he'll be 29 by the time training camp starts. I mean, is this... I know it's a different type of player because he's so good and he's at the top of his position, but I, I, I wonder if there's going to be that same type of disagreement that we saw a couple of years back when Jones was, was up. I, and I, I wonder what the chiefs do here. I think it is going to be fascinating to watch. I don't know how this one ends um, mm-hmm. and gets resolved. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think, I think it's a tough question and we're just gonna, we're just gonna have to see on, on this one. Well, it's pretty uh, easy to say that you know they didn't they didn't want to extend Tyreek Hill for the money that he wanted, right. and so they're not going to do that with Jones. But these are different situations on several different levels. One of them being that I think Tyreek Hill wanted to leave town. Yeah, and, that's true. Yeah, and Jones, I think, has made it clear that he does not want to leave town, and I think that that's part of the equation here maybe not a big part but it's i think it's it's part of the of the calculation that's being made by both jones and the chiefs yeah i'm looking at the contract for donald three years 95 total guarantees are 95 guaranteed at signing that 46 <sighs> you know you take that name off of, of chris jones and you play that player x game are they giving player x and you don't know who it is right are they giving player X at the age of 29 that much money? I just, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with that one. I think it's, yeah. like I said, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. All right, let's go to the the next part from, from Beach. And I think this is something that happened in the NFL draft. I think they were eyeing a potential trade up in the early 20s when they had a lot of names that they liked left. I think that they made the attempt to call. There were a lot of AFC teams there. If you look like the Bills and the Bengals, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, those those teams weren't answering the phone, right? They they gave <laughs> Brett Veach the FU button, and then you had some <laughs> NFC teams that simply wanted to take players, and the Chiefs just got shut out. Like I, I've been saying this on, on the radio, I, I think the Chiefs were active. Like I think they were trying to trade up, and and they just couldn't. It's not Madden where you just keep making offers until the other team miraculously sets up because it's a video game. This is real life, and yeah, just don't. I think they were shut out and listen to Brett Beach. You'll, you'll hear it in his voice where it, it was very real. They were trying to trade up and it, and it just didn't work out. I think, um, and I think I kind of hit, hinted at this on, on Thursday night. Um, you know, Saran, I think, you know, our staff, I mean, we're, we're aggressive and, you know, we, we build our board and, our, and we believe in our board. And if there's a range um, that we feel is makes sense for us, I mean, we'll, we'll certainly explore that. And we did that Thursday night and we explained some, some trade opportunities. And I think the window, just from 18 to say 22, 23 was um, just a little bit uncomfortable for us because, um, you know, we do believe in our board, but at the same time, we do believe in, in, and obviously a volume of good players and it's a long season. You have to have um, depth on both sides. So there was a lot of things we wanted to get accomplished this week. So um, we explored that. And and when the price was a little bit too high for us, um, you know, we still explored 24 to, you know, 26, 27, um, at that time, no one wanted to trade. Um, so we had a window there where we uh, inquired. And um, again, the price was a little bit too high. And then after that, um, you know, there was no teams, you know, wanting to trade. These teams wanted to pick. There was a small move there from Buffalo and Jacksonville, but um, didn't get any feedback from the rest of those teams. So um, we were content um, because we had a player in Felix that we liked. And, and then we were able to do some maneuvering um, the next couple of days. My feel on this is 
yes, I I do believe they liked Felix and Aduke Uzama. And I think that they had him on the board. I think he was an attractive candidate for the Kansas City Chiefs. I do not think they liked him at 31. I think they probably would have hoped that maybe they could get him in the second round with a, a trade up with all those picks where after you know the the first round happens and they get a, a candidate they like that had a first round grade it was pretty apparent that they didn't have a first round grade on Felix and a lot of GMs said they had 15 to 18 that I think they would have liked to take him in the realm of like the 40s or the thir- and and if you go back to the night of the draft Brett Veach essentially said if we traded out they wouldn't have got a pick that was in the range of acquiring Felix. So it just, they didn't want to get too cute and lose out on the player. So they stayed where they were and took him a little higher, I think, than they wanted. John, you wrote this up and this stemmed from Peter King's football morning in America that the chiefs had a deal on the table to trade out with the Raiders and it did not happen. Yeah. And what Veach was talking about the other day were the, were the teams that said no to the chiefs. And what was mm-hmm. different about this deal with the Raiders is that the Raiders said no. <laughs> and, uh, and the, so the Chiefs and the chiefs had a, a, a deal on the table where they would have gotten uh, the 38th pick. I believe it was. And that uh, quickly, for, that's where, that's where I'm saying, I think they wanted yeah. to take Felix right. and get right. more conversation from it. Anyway, go ahead. Right. And I, I think it's entirely possible that the Chiefs could have actually acquired uh, Felix at that point yep. at 38 and then gotten an extra pick later on at 70, uh, as they would have had if the Raiders had gone along with it. But they just felt that the Raiders just didn't feel that they wanted to give up those picks uh, because of the players that they wanted to get, one of whom was the Notre Dame tight end, Michael um Meyer yep. is it Mayer or Meyer I don't know I don't have yeah. to know cuz he doesn't play for the Chiefs Mayer I believe Mayer yeah. okay um and they ended up getting him at 35 trading yep. up uh at the after uh, the first tight end not the first but the first tight end of the second round was taken I think they saw oh we need to trade up and make sure we get our guy because Meyer was definitely the guy that they wanted so uh in a way it really worked out well for the Raiders uh, that they they ended up getting the guy at the the right pick the Chiefs didn't, and I you know I don't blame the Raiders they were giving up the deal on the table would have made them give up the equivalent of about a fourth round pick if we're using the John Dixon trade value chart uh, in order to to make that trade and um, that would have been wasted draft value the way the things played out. Yeah, I. I, I don't think the beginning of the draft went exactly how the Chiefs wanted. Yeah. And I, I I think you could sense a little bit of frustration of Brett Veach on draft night. I, I mean, I don't think he said it was going to walk up to the podium and say, man, tonight sucked. But I, I don't think it <laughs> I think up to I, I think from picks one to 19, it, it was. I really do. I, yes. I think. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you got the run on. I think wide receivers that they might've liked a little bit more than Rasheed Rice, but I think Rice is a nice consolation, but uh, wide receivers. And then, you know, a couple offensive linemen and the rest is history. They ended up having to, to, to settle and, and take Felix where, where they did. Um, but I think the rest of the draft went according to plan. They traded up three times. They drafted dressed every position of need. I think they really liked the guys that they got on day three. So it was just that first night in Kansas city that didn't go exactly the way they wanted. Uh, we mentioned Rasheed Rice. He was taken uh, in the second round by the Chiefs. Here is Brett Veach on where the wide receiver position stands right now for the Chiefs. I think we take a little of everything into account. I think at the end of the day, I think we, 
we're just trying to add talent to the roster at all these positions. And um, I think the cool thing about coach is he's going to highlight their skill set and get the most out of them. And so I think that's the value in staying true to the board. Um, let's find a guy we like. Let's tear him. Let's stack him. Let's stay true to the board. Um, let's get good players here and then allow coach and, and his offensive staff to do their thing and just put these guys in, in you know, in the best position possible to utilize their, their skill set. So there you go. Uh, I think the Chiefs feel good about the wide receiver position, John, and and we'll see how soon Rice can can develop. But cool to know that Mahomes threw with them. I saw this going around Twitter that, you know, we did find out that he was throwing with Quinton Johnston. We did find out uh, he was throwing with a couple other guys. Nobody ever really knew that he was throwing with Rice, and maybe that's why mm-hmm. the Chiefs were able to to go up and pounce. Yeah, somebody asked me about that, and I said, well, you know, uh, he wasn't as well-known as some of these other players. He wasn't going to be a headline, and it was nearly a public thing. I mean, almost anybody could have walked in there, and, uh, you know, a, a, a visible wide receiver like Johnston or Flowers right. uh, is going to end up on the Twitter feed of somebody who's trying to generate some buzz on Twitter, which is the only reason this stuff happens, of course. Um, and nobody probably recognized Rice. And thought it should take a they should take a picture of him and put it on Twitter. Um, so it wasn't because it was being withheld or anything. It's just the way the the celebrity part of it worked out. I, I do think they like Rice. I think the intention here was to get a player that's a, a little bit bigger of a target than the Chiefs have in mm-hmm. in Kadarius and Sky and a little bit of a different player. Uh, plays inside outside. Played eighty percent wide about 20% in, in the slot last year. And and to me, that that translates to what Andy Reid is looking for and somebody that can bounce in and out, right? We, one thing that we always say is all the pass catchers have to know every position. So I think they they like the value for them. They, they certainly proved that by trading up as high as they did in the second round. And to me, this they probably, what I would guess, and again, this is just my, my takes on the draft, but they probably, what I would guess, had a list of receivers and they were getting close to the bottom of the you know the receivers that that were left on the board and i think rice was on their board but i i think he probably maybe there was one or two left maybe he was the one left and they said we can't wait any longer we're gonna go get somebody that we feel right. good about mm-hmm. i think that's what right. they ended up doing i All think right, that makes perfect sense yeah yeah I, that's brett veach from from monday if you want to listen to the press conference in full you can do so right here on the Airhead pride podcast network on from the podium when we come back we'll go through the news this is the airhead pride editor show Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. John, the draft dominated Chiefs news over the past week. We're going to get into our draft class roundtable. Let's talk about everything else, and it's a lot of off-the-field stuff. Patrick Mahomes is becoming quite the celebrity this past <laughs> offseason. We talked about, what is it, the times list that he was on as, as far as the most influential people. He pops up at the 
Metropolitan Gala, and he's he's wearing sunglasses indoors. Nothing says celebrity like when you are able to pull off sunglasses indoors. That's not something that I can do. Uh, he'll be beginning the the Kentucky Derby this Saturday as the the Chiefs mm-hmm. rookies are at Arrowhead. Uh, so it is the the off season of Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey's his sidekick, and Kelsey. You can make it in case he's having just as big of a, a year off the field with all of these pop-ups. He just finished Kelsey Jam. He did Saturday Night Live. Now he wants to do WWE. And then these two, it's official today. I put out a hint on Twitter yesterday, but it's official today. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey versus Steph Curry and Clay Thompson of the Warriors oh, wow. to do the match uh, in, in late June, June 29th. Uh, remember, Mahomes teamed with Josh Allen, the last time they kicked Allen to the curb, look, if you can't win in the playoffs, you're not going to come back for the match. So it's Kelsey and Mahomes uh, against Thompson and, and Curry. John, what do you make of the offseason of this dynamic duo in Kansas City? Well, they're Super Bowl stars. You know, they've been stars of two of the last uh, four Super Bowl winners. And um, that's a big deal. You know, this isn't just the what happens after a particular team wins the Super Bowl and they get some stuff going like this. This is a thing that's going on um, with these players. And I should also point out that Mahomes' invitation to the Met Gala was that because he was willing to pay fifty thousand dollars to go oh. <laughs> and like, had the money like to do it with stars. I didn't know that. So you have yeah. to pay to go. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Just like just like the, a debutante ball. You know, the right. whole point of a debutante ball is usually to raise money for some charity. So rich people pay money to have their daughters walk out in front of all of their friends. So you know, it's the same kind of deal. Yeah, I. I've been loving it. I think it it's it's just really cool to see these guys on the big stage. Uh, I don't know how much Andy Reid is loving it. Andy Reid notoriously is famous for not liking this type of thing, but I think when you win two championships in four seasons, I think when your stars yeah. do this stuff, it's, it's par for the course in a sense. Pun intended. I, I just accidentally ran into that because we were just talking about the match. So good for them and good for the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs they're trying to grow internationally. We talked about uh, Germany and Mexico. They recently earned the rights to Switzerland and Austria. So the, the Chiefs kingdoms worldwide. And uh, again, another splash for Mahomes and Kelsey in, in, in the match. Um, before the Chiefs kingdom went worldwide and before the Chiefs kingdom ever existed, Dante Hall, the, the human Joystick, the X Factor existed, and he will go to the Ring of Honor. This is a, a really cool thing, I think, this year, uh, John. It, it not nothing against these past couple of Ring of Honor members, but I've just find that there isn't a Chiefs fan who doesn't know who Dante Hall is, right? And doesn't love him, right? Like even Tony Gonzalez, because he's a dope, made himself polarizing <laughs> the Chiefs fans. This is a Man, how cool is the fact that Dante Hall is going into the Hall of Honor, right? Right. I mean, there's there was no player that people were uh, wilder about uh, with the Chiefs in the early 2000s than Dante Hall. And this is a team that Tony Gonzalez was on, you know, and um, and 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 Dante Hall was the big star. Um, I'll never forget. I was at a at a an event where I was doing sound on the uh during the run of four consecutive games with touchdowns and i was asked to make announcements at this event 
which is something they ask me to do every year. And I had my ear on the game and I got on the microphone and said, ladies and gentlemen, Tyreek Hill is uh, not Tyreek Hill. Dante Hall has done it again. He scored a touchdown on a punt return and people went crazy. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was very interesting to me to observe the crowd's reaction to that. And, um, uh, and I, and of course I did not say Tyreek Hill. I said, Dante Hall. <laughs> I never heard of Tyreek Hill at that point, but, um, it was very interesting to see that reaction, and this is this is how Chiefs fans were during that time. I think it's great that he's going to be in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, this is a a big step, I think, for the Hall of Honor in the next couple of years of the Hall of Honor because we're finally into the 2000 draft class. Dante mm-hmm. Hall was a a fifth round pick in the 2000 and, uh, draft class, and so I, I think we're finally to that next era of chiefs football we did get um in recent years it was kimball anders tim grunhard and brian waters and tony g um carlos carlson and and tony richardson but i think now we're going to start to get some of those 2000s teams and i think that's just a really cool cool thing it was cool to talk to dante hall over draft weekend the chiefs made him available and he was really entertaining with some of his answers we wrote it up jared sapp wrote it up for us on on Arrowhead Pride, one of the things he talked about was how he's still such a Chiefs fan. He watches mm-hmm. like a yeah. Chiefs fan. He was watching the Super Bowl, and Hall was watching that punt return by Kadarius Tony. For me, that was the key moment of the Super Bowl. I think you went from this seesaw battle to the Chiefs being in control, and Tante Hall was essentially like, "Look, I I don't say this about a lot of people, but he can be as good, if not better, than me." And I I just think that that's that's not only awesome that he still follows the chiefs but that he's so in tune with the fact that look this new punt return that you guys has kind of reminds me of myself in a way so just a, a great moment for dante hall and the chiefs this, this past draft weekend yeah it really was and i and i have to say I, I i went and looked at the play he identified as his favorite not a punt yeah. return but a but a, a reception for a touchdown and you know what i loved some of those punt returns but i have to agree with him that was an amazing play uh, against Denver in that game. So if you don't, you, you, you go find the article and look up the, the find a video of the play. It is totally amazing. Yeah. I, uh, I think that, like I said, I, I think that over the past years, nothing against Tim Grenard, who I like a lot. I just don't think this ceremony has had a lot of juice. Whereas I just think this year, it feels like it's going to have a lot mm-hmm. of juice. What, what yeah. game it is, when Hall's going in, what, what day that's happening and such. Um, John, you wrote this up for us, and you did some evaluation of the NFL draft using numbers, and you wrote that Brett Veach had a disciplined draft except for two draft picks. Explain yourself before we have to tweet at you angrily. <laughs> well, uh, this is something that I have done before, uh, before this year, um, and did again this year. We always publish uh, prior to the draft a, a composite ranking of the players who will be available in the draft uh, by basically averaging a bunch of other draft rankings. So you're taking one person's opinion out of it. Basically, we're crowdsourcing it a little bit so that uh, we, we take a, a singular viewpoint out of it to some extent and mm-hmm. hopefully get a better idea of what the real rankings are and of course these are not the rankings that the teams use that an individual gm uses they're going to be different they absolutely have to be 
but it's a way to kind of get a sense of how the draft is going to play out. It won't be perfect, but it'll tell us. And then after the draft, if you compare where they ranked to where they were selected, then you can get a sense of how likely it was that the player was a reach or whether the team got good value for them and so on. Now, using that method to analyze this, um, we find that Veach actually reached a little bit uh, in the early rounds up to the third round uh, that averaged 14 picks ahead of time um, for uh, and Yudike Uzama. I think I got it right on the first attempt mm-hmm. there. Rashi Rice and Wanye yeah. Morris. But then for Connor and Thompson, they were way early. Not a, not a value pick. Big reaches. In fact, for Connor, one of the biggest reaches of the whole draft this year, 158 picks early. Thompson, 117 picks early. But then the last two picks of the draft were good values. Coburn was 35 picks later than we would have expected. Nick Jones, 41 picks later than expected. So it turned out not bad. Um, but it would have been pretty good, uh, without those two picks. Now, of course, maybe Brett Veach knows something that nobody else does. And the, we're going to look at this draft in a couple of years and go, my gosh, this was amazing. But, uh, just right off the top, knowing what we know and no more than what we know, uh, we'd have to say that those two picks weren't as disciplined as the rest of them were. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> this is a long time ago now, pre-Super Bowl winning uh, Brett Veach, where he had that first draft and earned that nickname Brett Reach. But yeah, not a lot of not a lot of Brett Reach comments since then. I and look when you when you win two championships and you had the draft class that you did last year. Hey, if this guy wants to reach on mm-hmm. two picks, yeah. man, you you earn the right to reach. Yeah on two picks and look uh who are we to to argue with i mean who thought that jalen watson was going to be as right. good as he was right. and you know even joshua williams and some of those role player games and certainly legerious need is just you know he's the he's the most chiefs all pro that hasn't actually been named an all pro over the last couple of years i know that i don't know if that's a real award but I, if there's one <laughs> player that that stands out it's legerious needs so there's no questioning i think brett Feach right now but that is interesting, John, and I'm sure you got a lot of comments from our, our good friends that don't like to read read more than the headline. So, well, uh, yeah, and some who 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 don't like it when there's any kind of criticism of the team. Some people get <laughs> you know are are looking for a reason to criticize the process if they don't like what they read, and that's fine. You right. know, I mean, I I I'm not trying to. This isn't scientific. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get a sense right after the draft of of how it looked. Because we can't really know if we knew what the GM, how the GMs uh, ranked these people, we could answer this question with great detail, but we don't know Mm -hmm. and we're never going to find out. So this is the best we can do. Well, if you don't like criticism of the team, shut the podcast off now (laughs) because Steve Serta will be joining us for a draft class round table coming up next right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. All right, back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon here. We are now joined by our fantastic Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, our drafts 
on-site extraordinaire, Steve Serta, who will join us for a draft class roundtable. Steve, did you have fun draft weekend? I did have fun. Um, it, it was a long week. Uh, you mentioned we broadcasted live for four straight hours on Thursday night. Um, that's a lot. It's been a while since I've, uh, with my radio background, I've done some really long live shows with no breaks before. Um, We've all been, been a while there. Since, I, since I went that long. Uh, but it was a ton of fun. Uh, was really happy that I got to cover it with Caleb and Ron. They did a fantastic job all weekend. And it was kind of nice being there all three days uh, for the Arrowhead Pride listeners because I got to tell you guys on Saturday there was no media there. There was like seven, <laughs> there was like seven people in that media room, and three of them were me, Caleb, and Ron. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised on Saturday with the lack of media at Arrowhead. I, I mean, even though it's Saturday, we still get the scouts and we still get the players via conference call if you're there. And we, you know, we didn't see a lot of a lot of media members on Saturday. Everyone. Hey, look, it, the draft continues on Saturday. That's where the Chiefs actually do some of their best work as we right. find out through through right. the years. All right, let's start this draft class roundtable. We're going to be a little positive with our favorite pick each. We're going to be a little negative with our least favorite pick each, and then we will grade the class. Okay, Steve, John and I have been yapping all show, so let's start with you. Who is your favorite <laughs> pick in this NFL draft? I think I am going to go with the Chiefs' sixth-round pick and defensive tackle Keandre Coburn. Um, and we, uh, I know for a fact our AP draft team did some write-ups uh, on him and how he would fit into the Chiefs, but uh, I think getting a position of need that late in the draft and a guy that is projected to, like, he could have a role in week one of the season, I think is incredible value because he was a guy that we thought was going to be like an earlier, like mid round defensive tackle. And I know the chiefs brought back Derek Nadi, who we've seen his snaps declining over the last couple of years. And so like, that's a position of need. And like Derek Nadi, while I love his press conferences, I think he's hilarious and I love it when the chiefs let him talk. <laughs> he hasn't exactly been exceptional or like a high impact player on the field for the chiefs True. last couple of yeah. years. So mm. like Keandre Coburn is a guy that you got in the sixth round that a lot of people were projecting to go a lot higher than that, who is exactly what the chiefs need on the interior of the defensive line. Like he is a middle clogger, he is a run stuffer. He is a guy that frees up Chris Jones to create disruption or whoever else they want to rotate into the middle there. And I think there's a strong chance that he winds up being a starter for the Chiefs this upcoming season. He also has the best personality. I mean, he was so excited to be a, a Kansas City Chief. And he he reminds me, actually, a lot of ways, both looking at some of his film and off the field, Colin Saunders, who the Chiefs said goodbye to, and, and he's now heading to the New Orleans Saints. So I think that's a, a good pick and a, a, a good fit. All right, John, who was your favorite pick of the NFL draft? Well, I think that Steve has made a compelling argument uh, for Coburn, and I, and I largely agree with it, but I think I, think I would like to shout out to Felix and Udike Uzoma uh, and have another opportunity to speak his name out loud so I get some <laughs> more practice in because it's going to sure. be – we're going to have to get used to this, and uh, yes. I want to get as much practice as I can. Um, this is a case where the chiefs had a position of need. They've had it for a while actually. And after reading Ron's review, uh, his film review on this week after the draft, uh, I'm getting really excited about this young man. I, I think Ron, I'm hoping that Ron has this exactly right. And I think he may, that this is the guy that we've been trying to get for a long time. 
who can come in there and and be an impact player uh, where they've you know tried several times with D Ford and trading for Frank Clark and so on and so forth. I, I, they need an impact player, and he really looks like he's got the stuff to do it. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, I I I do think the Chiefs also. I think he might take a little bit while to have an impact. Um, and similar, I think, in a timeline sense to George Karloftis, and we'll mm-hmm. watch him develop yeah. the whole year, and then he'll really maybe click at the end there. But I think that also speaks to the Chiefs believing in what they got in Omenahu. I think it speaks to what they believe that they have in a, a Mike Dana, and I think it might be Dana starting and getting most of those reps at first where you kind of see – and John, this is where your fantastic snap count charts are going to come in, where eventually it's going to like, <laughs> yeah, for Dana will be more of a rotational guy. And, and I think by the end, Felix will be the guy. But um, I like the pick and I think there's a lot of upside to it. My favorite pick was Wanye. And, you know, we talk about the right tackle battle. We don't need to go in that whole conversation because we, we had it at the beginning of the show. But I think if you have a need at right tackle and you got to throw a dart on a board, how many times are we like, Man, you know, the most important thing about the offensive line is is that chemistry. Man, there's a guy sitting there in the draft that played two years next to Trey Smith. Now, it was on the left side, but I just think that the fact that he had two years at Tennessee, left tackle as, as Trey Smith is your left guard, you got to be feeling pretty good about, A, him earning the job outright, and B, if he doesn't earn the job, making sure Mr. Big Big old Lucas Niang maybe isn't so big old when he comes into camp, making sure he's in, in tip-top shape and ready to go. And so I I love the move. I just I think that was such value there in the third round. Big, long tackle. I know he's a little bit more of a developmental guy like we were just saying about Felix, but you're picking where you're picking when you're the Super Bowl champion. Right. So mm-hmm. I just yeah. I love that that Wanye Morris pick. And I think of all of these guys, when you talk about week one and snap percentage, I think he's got the best chance to have the most snaps out of any of these guys because obviously starting offensive linemen play 100% of the snaps. All right, we'll, we'll snake around back to you, John, for your dun, 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 least favorite pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not really seeing one here that I, I don't like very much. And I guess I'm just going to have to go with Nick Jones just because I know so little about him in comparison. To some of these other players and also um you know i'm not sure it was really a position of need i was kind of hopeful the chiefs would take advantage of this deep tight end class and grab a tight end someplace and i'm i'm a little i'm a little peeved that it didn't happen in some way now maybe that could have been pulled off if they'd managed to get a trade back in the first round which they apparently tried to do and um, maybe that would have made me happy, but I certainly didn't think we needed to spend two of our picks on defensive backs. And I'm I'm kind of pretty positive on Connor, so I have to go with Jones here in the seventh round as, as my least favorite. Well, Connor's is versatile. You know, he plays safety. You know, I, I think the Chiefs were taking another stab at 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 a at a defensive back here. It it's the back end of the room. So now Nazi Johnson has some competition. I, I know they wanted to keep Johnson around for this year and see what he could do. And so, you know, I, I know that we'll be watching the end of the wide receiver room and naturally that's going to be a more exciting battle to see who and whether or not Justin Ross can good luck, but break through. And, uh, but I think the end of the defensive back room is going to be another place to, to watch because the chiefs have injected a lot of young talent back there and they have, yeah. It, 
this is going to be a tough 53 man projection season. I'm not, I'm not overly excited about being completely wrong. Uh, these first couple projections. All right, uh, Steve, let's get your least favorite pick. So this doesn't have anything to do with the player. I, I think the player has a chance to be fine and, and to find a role with the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think it has to do more with the circumstance in which he was drafted and acquired, and that's wide receiver Rasheed Rice. Um, I think there's some talent there. I, I think there's plenty of, of intrigue with him as a player, and it fills a position of need. I, I just felt like... We late in the first round, like, you know, you get to pick 20 and there's not a wide receiver off the board and you're feeling like, man, that's it's falling exactly how the Chiefs need it to 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 make a move and go up and get one of these top wide receivers off the board to fill a position of need. And then they all went like in a row and, and that totally fell apart. And then you get into day two and we immediately go on a tight end run in the draft. So some of these tight ends, we were hoping they'd take a look at like immediately just like back to back to back. And then a couple other wide receivers go. And and so it felt like the chiefs were kind of like, we got to make a move. This is the top guy that we have on the board. And so I, I just felt like maybe it wasn't totally necessary for them to go up and do that. And I, there's a scenario here where we're going into the season. I know right tackle has been the biggest, like hottest topic of, of debate uh, amongst chiefs fans right now, but there's a lot of question marks at this wide receiver group, a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I understand what they're doing. Like they're just throwing bodies at it and, and hoping that something hits, but like, you know, Kadarius, Tony, it's, we know he can be a special player if he's available. Can he stay on the field? Sky Moore. We're really banking a lot on him taking a huge leap forward in year number two, where it seemed like he was having problems figuring out the offense to get on the field. Richie James is a Demarcus Robinson-esque type of player. We know exactly what he is. We know exactly what Justin Watson is. We know exactly what MVS is. Like All of those guys are fine NFL wide receivers, but they're not difference-making players. And then if you want to get deeper into the roster with like a Justin Ross and, and mm. Rasheed Rice, like... That's it's a lot where, of question marks that, that you're banking on right now in this wide receiver group, and it just feels like the Chiefs are kind of throwing bodies at it, hoping that Mahomes and Reed will just figure it out. Well, that's where you're you're wrong, Steve, because Justin Ross is on this roster, and so when you got <laughs> Justin Ross, oh, here we go, <laughs> you've got it all. No, I I agree with you. What I would maybe I don't know if it's in a slight disagreement, but what I would add is yes i i do think the wide receiver room has a lot of questions but it's not for lack of the chiefs trying i think mm-hmm. they tried to retain juju smith schuster you know new england patriots outbid them and they had other needs so they're not going to do that right and so they were in on odell the baltimore ravens contract was so stupid uh and if the ravens didn't give him that contract with all that guaranteed money then the jets were planning on giving him something close so the chiefs were never going to meet that i don't think that was dumb DeAndre Hopkins are not trading for that cap number. I firmly believe, as I've described in this episode, that they were trying to trade up in the 20s to get one of the the big four that that went on a run. I I think especially they were high on Quentin Johnston, who sucks, but he ended up going to the L.A. Chargers. And so I don't disagree with you, but I I think the Rice pick was, uh, like I said, I think it was, oh, damn, we're at the end of our list of guys that we see Mm -hmm. as potential fits and... We're going to do it. Doesn't make you feel great, but yeah, it is a 
it is a body throw at the position and we'll see which five or six guys make it out of, of training camp. John, I, I, you, you look like you have something to add. Well, I was going to say that, you know, yes, it sucks to reach, do something that looks like a reach. Yeah. And that didn't really look like much of a reach on the numbers that I had, but it felt like a reach in the moment. I think Steve's exactly right. It felt like a reach. And I think the chiefs saw it as a reach to a certain extent, but if there's a time to do it, the time to do it is when it's the last guy on your board that can fill the need you're trying to fill. That's the, that's the moment when you need to make that reach. And uh, so it's, it's a good thing in that respect. Um, but I agree. I think that the, the chiefs would have probably preferred to have a player like flowers or Johnston in the first round. It just didn't play out that way. And I noticed today uh, we were talking about it earlier. Um, you know, one of the reasons the chiefs couldn't trade up is that the Jacksonville Jaguars had lost, uh, had got uh, somebody to take Jawan Taylor's place. Right. When they <laughs> had to pick 26 or 27, I think I, it was. I think the Chiefs want, I, this is what I think happened at that point because the receivers <laughs> were gone. I think the Chiefs wanted to maybe get Harrison to potentially be their mm -hmm. left tackle. Yeah. The yeah. problem was that they had signed the Jaguars left tackle who took yeah. Harrison. So it's yeah. funny how it all comes back full circle. Right. Yeah. They, and there was no way for them to know that back in no. the day that they, if they had just left it alone and come into the draft, they might've been able to get Anton Harrison, mm -hmm. but instead they, they're ending up with, uh, well, Joan way. And Jacksonville traded back twice too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pick up mid round really, picks and still got their guy. Really, really that silver Fox, Doug Peterson rubbing it in the Chiefs. <laughs> My least favorite pick is BJ Thompson. I, because look, I don't want to wait till Cinco de Mayo for tacos. I want to have tacos tonight. I, <laughs> I don't think he's a player that's going to have an impact this year. I think it's a project. He's 240 pounds. It's about 10 to 15 pounds lighter than Steve Spagnuolo typically likes. He had projections in round seven, if not an undrafted free agent. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of these speed rushers. You know, the last speed rusher that, Everyone thought was going to be really good for the Chiefs. You know, speed rushing at the Senior Bowl, D Ford, and uh, look that didn't that didn't that that brings back bad memories for everybody. He's at two forty now, but he apparently just added um, weight. You know, this past cycle from going from two twenty to two forty. So I don't know. Do we really think he's going to add on two hundred and you know get to two fifty five when he was two twenty last year? by the time to make an impact this year. I don't know. And I know as we were describing that the chiefs need impact edge players. And this is a player now you've taken in the fifth round. That's going to eat up a roster spot for sure. You know, you talk about those projections he's mm -hmm. on the team and I don't know how much he's going to do this year. So not my favorite pick, uh, BJ Thompson. And look, as I always say, when I express negativity on the show, I hope I'm incorrect about this. I hope, I hope I yeah. am eating my words and Thompson has 10 sacks. All right, uh, let's go back to to Steve for your your class grade. Steve, what would you grade uh, Brett Veach's class of twenty twenty three? I think overall, I'm going to give it a B minus, um, be, because like while I didn't love the Rasheed Rice pick, like I understand and it fills a position of need, and I feel like a lot of people were kind of knocking the Chiefs for taking positions of need, and yeah, you know, we saw like a, a team like the Eagles, and they do this basically every year where they just kick positions of need to the side and say, we're just drafting the most talented guy on the board. And, and they did that and they sniped Nolan Smith, who I think would have probably been a Kansas city chief if he was still on the board, uh, mm -hmm. on the board at that pick. Um, 
But like, I, I don't think that it's bad if you don't make the huge reaches because that's where you see like, you know, the Raiders uh, during the the Gruden Mayock era, where it was like, <laughs> "What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? That guy. That, there's no reason to take that guy there. Like, what's happening?" And I don't think the Chiefs did any any of that. I, I think that the roster it is already built around the difference makers, and so now it's just finding guys that can contribute. And if they develop into more, and that's incredible. And hopefully you did get a couple of those lottery picks from this draft because you got a bunch of them last season who are going to be starters for you moving forward. That's great. That's how you build rosters in the NFL, and that's how you continue to be successful. But they have the difference makers that they that they need uh, to already have already been established on the roster and Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones. So now it's filling in all of the other needs outside of that and, and hoping that you hit it big with some of these guys and they're betting on their ability to develop, which they've been pretty good at over the last couple of years. So I think overall they added good depth to the roster and they got some talented players. So I'm giving it a B minus. John. Uh, I would say that I liked the draft in terms of it. It uh, They intelligently handled going after uh, positions of need. I think they would have taken the highest graded position of need uh, at 31 that they had. I think that's exactly what happened. And I, and I appreciate that about the chiefs is that they recognized that they weren't going to necessarily know what position they were going to take in the first round. Uh, I liked that about it. Um, I liked the players they got at those first three positions of need, obviously there's questions about some in the later rounds. Uh, but you know, Coburn looks like a, a great, uh, value pick kind of like Trey Smith, um, whom he knows well. So, I mean, there's more evidence that that's, that's going to end up being a great value pick. So I think there's a lot to like about this draft. I don't think there's going to be too many drafts where you come out of it the uh, two or three days after it all takes place and go, Oh yeah, there's some problems here. So I, I, I have a hard time giving a draft more than about a B plus, but I'll go with a B here and, uh, and, and call it pretty good. I did not think that I was going to give the highest grade. And by the way, <laughs> even though I, even though I wrote this rundown and I said, let's give grades, grades right now are so dumb, but well, look, you right. guys love them and whatever, let's do them. I love that the Chiefs addressed their three biggest needs with players they feel can contribute on on day one in some capacity with their first three picks. Uh, who am I to argue really on the day three picks when they have scouts yeah, there and right. you know they've looked into these guys? So I'm I'm gonna give it a B plus, um, which is the highest among us, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and I I think they they. You know, Danan said this. We did Sunday sound off the Sunday after the draft. Danan said, and look, as he's wearing his gigantic Super Bowl ring because he's the color guy for the radio, but uh, <laughs> he said the Chiefs didn't have needs. They had voids, and they're already a Super Bowl team. They just had voids. Hmm. And to an extent, I just think, you know, that plays into what Steve was saying in, in the idea of the championship pieces are already part of the team. They had Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, right? Mm -hmm. And this young secondary really hasn't gone anywhere. And you just kind of added to it, which is very Homer, but it's in a way true. And I, I just, I think kind of wrapping up what we all said, all in the, all in the range of B, 
I think it would have been a if the Chiefs go and make a big time splash like they tried to do in round one and couldn't, and and, and B just found them more than them finding a B. If that makes makes sense. If they managed, so. if, if they'd actually managed to trade down and gotten an extra pick and gotten a tight end with it, I'd be all over this. Yeah. As an example. Well, yeah. And, and I wanted to add to that because John, you said you know Felix, they take the guy that they had left available, who was the highest rated guy on their board, which I agreed that probably was Felix at thirty one after Nolan Smith got selected. But also, there's no way in hell Clark was letting Veach take that away from him. <laughs> Clark, did you you guys watch the video of Clark out on stage night one of the NFL draft final pick of the first round? Clark was oh, bringing some. He juice. looked like Roman uh, Reigns out there. Yeah, yeah. It was Clark, Clark, yeah, Clark was bringing some juice. Like he was like, I don't know if this is throwing heat, but this is what I'm bringing to the table. <laughs> and there's no way Veach was taking that away from Clark. Veach was Clark was like, I am going out there and I am making a pick tonight. You are not taking that from me. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think there's a little bit of truth to that. They did look like they were calling everyone in America that final pick when they showed the Chiefs draft room. It was pretty hectic. So. Who knows how it would have played out. But yes, I, I think that Clark was thankful that he was able to. I agree like with the, that. Like yeah. the tribal, like the tribal chief, again, pun intended, raised, raised, raised his championships in the air to end the show. All right. We're <laughs> way over time. The flash poll. I asked you guys to grade the, the chiefs off season to date. Most of you gave it a B 64%. A came in second at 17.3% and then C at 15.3%. Oh. Nobody really felt that it was a D or an F only 3% on D or an F. Yeah. That's pretty good. Elon has really ruined our answer rate for this. It is we're down to 350 Chiefs fans when it's usually in the thousands. Uh, we we would love love more votes, but I think that's just a product of Twitter nowadays. So 64% of the 350 Chiefs fans believe that the offseason was a B. We got rookie minicamp this weekend, so keep it locked in at the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Keep it locked in at Arrowhead Pride. We'll be going over whatever these guys say in their first opportunity to wear. Their Chiefs uniforms. Uh, Steve will be on from the podium, so you guys can can hear from them. Uh, we have multiple shows coming back. At, Steve, while I have you, we have multiple shows um, that will be running throughout the off season. We go into our semi regular schedule pretty soon here. Correct? Yeah. So pretty much now until training camp, like we'll obviously have the editors every week. We might sprinkle in some off weeks as we go on vacation and stuff over the summer, but. Yeah. Um, but virtually you will have three Arrowhead Pride podcasts a week from now until we ramp things up and go back to the full lineup. Uh, so there'll still be plenty of content for you as we get into the kind of really dead period of the summer. So thank you to Steve for that. Thank you for a great draft weekend and, and keeping us afloat. Thank you to John for joining me each and every week. And of course this week, if you want to purchase the dynasty begins it's available for you twitter.com slash pgtween link is there all right leave us a rating and review so we can read it next week thanks guys have a great day